Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So we finally get to Isaiah 53, and we finished Isaiah 51 with this ironic call that the prophet had made to God in 51 verse 9, awake, awake. Mm -hmm. And yet God said he was not the one sleeping, but rather in 51 17, Jerusalem was the one that needed to awake, awake. And then there is a third awake, awake now in 52 (laughs) verse 1. That's kind of just fun to say just in general, a third awake, awake. Yeah. A third, third great awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, so this is the first of two calls uh, out of, out of exile. God's calling his people to leave exile in 52, one through six, and then he'll do it again in verse seven. Um, But he says, clothe yourself with strength, put these beautiful garments on this holy city, you're not going to have to worry about the uncircumcised and unclean coming into you, which, which again would be a reference to the pagan oppressors coming in to destroy and lead them away into captivity. Nothing like that's ever going to happen again. Get the chains off you, the chains from around your neck. And then he, he sort of rehearses their, their story. They were in Egypt. The Assyrians came and oppressed them. Um, and yet God's, going to have those who rule over them howling, uh, or I'm sorry, those who rule over them are howling and blaspheming his name, but that's not the end. If you look at verse six, my people shall know my name. Uh, In that day, they'll know I'm the one who's speaking and saying, here I am, right? Again, God's been promising that he's with them, that he's not forsaken them. And that's what they, at the end of the day, that's what they know deep within them. Right. So I think just if you look at the first part of this chapter, it is the good news that God is going to bring to Israel that they are going to return. Yeah. But then we get to, I know what is one of your favorite verses in the whole Bible, yeah. 52 verse 7, because this Absolutely. tells us what the gospel is. Absolutely. So I'm not yep. going to steal it from you. Go ahead. Oh, man, how kind of you. Yeah. So so you get this beautiful scene, right? So we've got one one call out of captivity in one through six another one but but it's framed a little differently the the scene is set and and it's almost as if you've got um people in the desolation or in, in the captivity and they and they look out and they see on the mountains here's this messenger coming and and he's he's bringing good news and the Septuagint this is euangelion this is the same word that's translated gospel in the New Testament here comes someone bringing this gospel this good news announcing a message of peace, of happiness, salvation. And the message that they bring is your God reigns, right? We, we talked about this in our, in our podcast in previous seasons, as we talked about what is the gospel and uh, all, all that, all that sort of stuff. But, but what, what we're seeing here and, and understanding what this, the sort of logic of this in the narrative, in the context here is Israel's been oppressed. They've been subdued and captured and another power has reigned over them right god has already told us how he's coming through to um overthrow their captors and in that he's reestablishing his reign over his people and so when god reigns over his people rather than their oppressors that's a good that's a message of peace of salvation of joy 
right? And so the announcement of that God is king and that God's reign is restored is the best news you'll ever hear. And so the watchmen are lifting up their voices, right? As they see this messenger, they're shouting joyfully together because they get to see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion, right? Up to this point, it's been one of those things where hope for it. God's saying it's going to happen. He's calling the trust that it's going to happen. And finally, the watchmen see with their own eyes, it happened. Um, Break forth, shout joyfully together. The Lord has comforted his people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. He's bared his holy arm. And we're back to this image we saw back in chapter 40 of God's arm being bared and accomplishing his work. And, And again, the outcome of all these things is all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Let, let me pause there before I pick up these last couple of verses, but give you a chance to step in if you've got anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I love it. So, I mean, just two notes is, is your member 40 through 55, there's this question, who's reigning? Is it the idols? Is it Cyrus? Yeah. Who's reigning? But now's the good news. God is king. This is the way yeah. it's always meant to be from Genesis 1 onward. God yeah. is king. And the second note is just structurally, if one through six are a call to awake, awake, verse 11 tells us seven through 12 are all about leave, leave. Yeah, rejoice. Yeah. And now I think it's really important to note with this Exodus motif in mind mm-hmm. and with everything that we have talked about in mind from 40 through 55, then we get to 52, 13 with the suffering servant. Yeah, absolutely. The tempo slows down. We're going to a minor key because we're going to read about a servant who is going to be exalted. Yeah. Tell absolutely. us about this servant, Mike. Yeah. So it's, it's again, it's, it's incredible to, to sort of see the relationship between these various scenes, right? Okay. The announcement of God's reign, the overthrow of their captors, the, the release from exile and the restoration. And then all of a sudden we see the servant. Right. And and the first thing that's said about him is actually his prosperity and his exaltation. He's going to be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. And yet, as the scene moves on, we see what seems like just the opposite of that. He's experiencing shame and suffering and disgrace. Just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance was marred more than any man. Right. His form more than the sons of men. I like how the the complete Jewish Bible talked about he didn't even look human, right? Um, and and so kings shut their mouth on account of him. It's just it's almost just like um, they, they just cover their 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 mouth with this astonishment. But then this question's asked in fifty three: Who's believed our message? To whom has this this arm of the Lord been been revealed? And then goes on to describe the this this one again, right? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. You think about, um, I, I know you enjoy gardening, and you think about those little seedlings. And when we when we plant seedlings in our in our house every spring, and we get our grow lights, and we get our growing medium, and everything just right. We want the conditions to just be right, the soil to be just moist enough. Even then, when those little seedlings popped up. You know, man, I'm I'm that nervous parent that's like, are they going to make it right? Uh, and here is this little shoot that pops up, and the ground is terrible, right? That's this this servant. Um, he doesn't look like a great king. He's not 
super attractive or he's not Saul, you know, to, to say it, to put in that, in that language. And people rejected him. People despised him. People hid their face from him. Right. Let, let, let me stop there and give you a chance to step in and, and say anything. Okay. All right. Um, and, and, and so again, this overall description of again, rejection, suffering, shame, and yet in verse four, we we see why, you know, or or some of the why in that. Um, he's actually bearing our griefs, our sorrows. Um, what he's experiencing is for the people we've already talked about how the servant is the representative of Israel, right? The agent of God for Israel, but also this representative of Israel. Um even in 49, he called him my servant Israel, yet he's doing more than just serving Israel. Um, even though he's working and serving his people in verse four, he says, yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Right? We looked at him and just said, oh, here's somebody who's forsaken of God. Right. And, and that's what the well, I'm jumping ahead. I <laughs> said Matthew 27 is fresh on my It's like that's what the people on the cross did when they look by. Like, yeah, God's clearly not with it. But anyway, um, stay in the Isaiah context for now. Yeah, that's perception, not reality, though, which is important to note. It, and that's exact, exactly what yeah. I'm yeah, exactly what I'm saying. That 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 was the perception. And that's what Isaiah 53 and verse 4 is telling us. The perception is we just think God's abandoned it. We look at someone <clears throat> so despised, so seemingly God forsaken, how can God be with him? But that's not what's happening. What he's experiencing is not because God's abandoned him. He's doing this as God's servant for us, for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The the chastening for our well-being, what we should have received, fell on him. And by that scourging, we we are all healed, right? So again, we see that servant serving God on behalf of his people. We've all gone astray, just like sheep. We've turned to our own way and that iniquity's fallen on him by God's purpose and design, not apart from it. Um, says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, right? Now we're getting in, so we, we've seen overall descriptions of his suffering and shame. We're, we've we've waded into some of the why of it for his people and even their response to it. And yet we're seeing now the, the care, his own character in that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep that's silent before it shears. So he did not open his mouth, right? He's not fighting back. He's not taunting. He's not reviling. He's, he's not arguing. He's surrendering. Right. Again, again, that should bring to mind some of the things we saw in chapter 49 and 50 as well. Um, And then verse eight, it says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? That's really wordy. But but the, the point he's basically saying is, as they looked on all this suffering, as the people saw him writhing in shame and humiliation and degradation and all these things. He's saying, whoever stopped to think that that's for me, that's for us. 
right? He's doing that on our behalf. And so we see this, this honor, even in his death, his grave was assigned with wicked men. He was with a rich man in his death because he'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Again, he walked in integrity and uprightness and, and was the do justice, do righteousness person, not the one of violence and bloodshed, like we've seen throughout Israel, seen in Israel throughout Isaiah. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. And I know you'll want to come back to this, so I'll just leave it at that. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting to grief if he would accomplish his purpose and render himself as his guilt offering. See his offering. Oh, yeah, I'll just, say brief, no, I mean, yeah I'll, I'll just say briefly about that, Mike. I don't have a lot to say. I mean, okay. The, I think probably the best translation of this is the Lord was pleased by his crushing. Yeah. Okay. The Lord was pleased by his crushing. I, I'm ha- anyone that wants to talk about that further. I can send you some stuff on that. Yeah. But I think that's probably the yeah, best I, it's like that. So keep yeah. going. No, I, 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 yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly fits the, the, the entire context of this. So yeah, that's, exactly. a, that's a much better rendering. Yeah. Exactly. As a result, this is verse 11, then as a result of the anguish of his soul, he'll see, be satisfied by his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant will justify, make right the the many as he will bear their iniquities. Right. And and so, again, we see the same picture of representation and um, an agency and all this as the servant is suffering, accomplishing God's purpose for the people. But then. Notice how this ends, and this this seems so puzzling in the immediate context. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Right. So this section opened up with the servant being highly exalted and lifted up and honored and all that, and yet we see all these statements of shame and rejection and suffering and the assumption by all who looked on that this person's God forsaken. And yet we end with this picture of him um, uh, celebrating, receiving this great treasure, this great booty from, from the spoils of the victory that he's accomplished. And so suffering to the point of death and yet, in the end, he is victorious. So, obviously, we could talk about Isaiah 53 for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, but but let's just talk about it briefly in the context of Isaiah yeah. 43, 55. Yeah. Because I think it's a shame that Isaiah 53 is often debated in atonement debates rather than appreciated in the Isaiahic context. Yeah. How does Isaiah 53 fit into the rest of Isaiah 43, 55? Yeah. You know, so, so if you think about all these promises of things that God's going to do, I'm going to release you from exile. I'm going to defeat your enemies. I'm going to restore Zion. I'm, you know, this salvation, this this righteousness. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to re- all all these things he's been saying he's going to do, and the impact that's going to have on the nations. Right? We've seen sprinkled throughout the picture of this servant who is the agent of God's purposes, 
right? The servant in 42 is going to bring justice to the nations. The servant in 49 is going to be a light to the nations. Um, the, the servant in, in 50 is this model of, of faith. Now what we see in this section, 52, 13 through the end of 53, um, here is the servant doing that thing, right? right. He, he's, he's suffering, um, taking on all that iniquity, all that wickedness, all that evil, all that is, is crashing on himself. And that then becomes the thing by which the oppressor is defeated. Yeah. The, the prisoners are set free. The, there is rescue. There is right making. There is restoration. All of those things are happening because of, through the suffering of this servant. So could I summarize it by saying that the servant's full passion is the fulfillment of all of God's promises and the central revelation of God's agency? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, think, I think that that's what I'm hearing you say, Mike, is yeah. the, the cross is not separate from i'm gonna say the full incarnation i think this is the full incarnation sure, yeah. it culminates in the cross but it's the full incarnation is the, central... the work of the messiah the, the, oh, the coming of the messiah yeah the, the coming of this messiah is the way that god is going to bring about righteousness and all that that means is going to come through this suffering servant yeah, yeah. so a great the way, many... the way that god's going to make all things right yeah So we we began chapter 52 by talking about gospel, Mm -hmm. and then you've read and talked us through Isaiah 53. Close us out by telling us what is the gospel. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world that still sees the, the effects of the rulers of this present evil age, um, the, the principalities and powers as Paul calls it, you know, and it, and it, you know, there's lots of things we could point to, to see that oppressive ruling enslaving power that has corrupted the world and humanity. And yet God has promised to make it right and to make new. And we see, and, and to reestablish his reign, to overthrow oppressors, to set the captives free, and to reestablish his reign over and through his people. And we see that takes place through this Messiah who comes not as a conquering king to um, to, to win victories and conquer, just as we've seen every war in human history, but to lay his life down, to suffer to surrender himself so fully to his father's will um, on behalf of others in, in the greatest expression of love, that it is that love, that surrender um, that defeats those slaving powers and rescues and restores and does all these great things all under the reign of God.
Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Oh,